You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 482. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. How is the weather over there in England today? Mm, it's typical October, uh, November, so it's uh, grey and cold. Yeah. Wet. I mean, when by cold, I say... Uh, eight degrees centigrade, so it's not cold by your standards. No. But by our standards, it's getting a bit chilly. It's uh, about the same here. Yeah. It's it's chilly. It's uh, rainy and drizzly, and yeah. uh, I blew the you know I've got the canopy thing on the deck, the gazebo. Yeah. We took that down a couple weeks ago, and uh, I actually oiled the metal because we don't take the metal frame down that stays up. Uh-huh. We just take the sides and the roof and all that stuff off of it and fold it up. We got a nice outdoor box that you lock it in and it's waterproof. And, you know, the cushions on the chairs and all that gets put away for the winter. And I actually oiled all the metal exposed pieces. You know, those little three-in-one oil cans that you can buy? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Kind of like the sort of thing out of the Wizard of Oz. No, not one of those. Not, not quite one of those. Not, yeah, not like, quite. It's, it's, it's like it has a the same square. stuff inside of it. Yeah, it's a little uh, rectangular tin with a uh, with a nozzle on the end. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Yep, yeah. I just squirted that in a rag and then wiped it all down. Cleaned it at the same time, obviously, because any loose stuff is going to come off. But I figure with Michigan, we get a lot of moisture, so it's probably a good thing to kind of oil it down to make sure that it's a little bit protected through the winter time. Does it? It doesn't fold up yours then. No, it's permanently affixed to the deck. All right, okay. Yeah, it's got you know four legs on each leg. Has uh, eight sc- or four screws on it. So right, yeah, it's so not we, going we, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, we have one that um, Bernard's folds up and goes in a a big bag. Well, this is really big though. Yeah. You know, this yours, is a, yours is yours is probably big enough to cover my house. <laughs> Not quite that big, but it's it's large. I miss it already, though. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. With yeah, with the color lights and it's it, it it just completely transformed our deck. It really did. It gave us an outdoor space that you can be in without being in the weather. I mean, you're in the weather, but you're not getting wet. You're not having the sun yeah. beat down on you. On a hot day, it was you know 15 degrees cooler under that than it is on the sun so yeah i miss it um but we are ready for the winter time i have no idea where i was going with all that but there you go christmas is coming it is oh, we've started Thanksgiving our stuff. is coming well yeah yeah yep i'm taking some time off um you know a little bit of vacation time coming up some extra days over thanksgiving for instance i'm going to take some of that time off right uh, they had already said nobody's going to have Black Friday off. We don't have any inventory. Who gives a crap? Uh, talking about Friday, they've already because I'm off. By now, the way, now we have Black Friday sales. Yep. Um, in Britain, even though we don't do Thanksgiving, which means that we don't really know when Black Friday should be, apart from on a Friday. So It'll be everyone starting. Well, yeah, no. What I know that's what it would be if we had Thanksgiving, but because we don't have that here, everyone started uh, Black Friday sales now, uh, and they will last until uh, it seems like the first week of December, maybe the second week of December. Yeah, and it's just like okay, so this is just a, a well, they, it's they a thing it, now. Yeah, but it, it's supposedly a pre-Christmas sale, but the reality is, is that they they they're discounting from inflated prices. 
because obviously nobody wants to have a real sale because nobody no. wants to get rid of inventory before Christmas. No. Yeah, it's after Christmas they want to get rid of inventory. So I, I'm very sceptical of anything that's supposedly, uh, air quotes, on sale now. <laughs> it's funny. Maybe it's because of our station in life at this age and, you know, our... Uh you know old man cynicism well but no 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 not that no the yeah. fact that we have a little money we have just yeah you know disposable income i almost never look at seeing what's on sale if they have anything i want if i wanted something i've already got it i've already bought mm-hmm. it or i'm waiting yeah. for it i'm like oh look at the big sale yeah i don't need it don't need it don't need it don't need it. i don't i don't care well i i'm still the sort of person who you know if i decide i want something i try and find it on sale or discount well no that's a different thing i'll i no, don't i'm not adverse to saving money don't get me wrong i'm just saying if there's a new thing yeah you know on sale i I don't generally care i don't wait till something goes on sale to buy it yeah so i had this conversation with my mother yesterday because she uh, needs a new computer she's got an an old imac that i uh sold to her long time ago and so it's it's probably a 2011 2012 something like that and she, you know, she's saying, oh, it's, it, you know, it's a little bit slow now. And I notice on the web, it's pretty slow. And, uh, you know, she says there are some websites I've gone to that don't seem to work properly anymore. Uh, and I said, yeah, that, that, yeah, I said, said, you really should replace computers. And she wants another iMac, you know, but she, uh, when I tell her that the current iMac is, she's looking at 11, 1200 pounds. She's kind of thinking, oh, that's expensive. You know, um, but uh, and then she said, "Oh, maybe well, these Black Friday sales, or perhaps after Christmas, they'll have them on sale." I said, "No, no, I not said, Max. Apple, Apple doesn't do <laughs> sale prices." I said, "We can get you a refurb one that might save you a little bit of money, but um, no." <laughs> so, in fact, I, I need to talk to her about whether she actually she she doesn't really need a brand new M1 iMac. She probably could do with something that's half the price that's just like four years old or three years old or something like that uh, and that would be more than enough for her um yes and no i mean it depends on how long she's going to be using that computer i'm of a mind that says if there's a chip redesign you should probably be on that sooner rather than later because even at at this point a two-year-old imac you know, three, four years down the road is going to be woefully out of date. A lot of well, software simply won't run on it. Now, that's different from your mom because she's probably just internet browsing uh, and email. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's not really... Um, I don't think she actually runs an awful lot of software on it. She runs the occasional application. but um, And, uh, I mean, before she... She used to be president of her building association, so she did quite a lot of Word and Excel, but she's not even doing that now. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, trust me, if I, if I was in her position, I would buy, buy a brand new one. But if she really doesn't want to spend £1,200 on it, then I will say to her, say, get, you know, get something used. I, I mean, I just bought a, um, a 12 inch MacBook, which obviously never came with the M1 chip. So this is the last one they made. The, uh, 2000, I think came out in 2017. They might be a little bit newer than that. Um, you know, and, and I, I was pleasantly surprised by how well it runs the latest OS. I mean, it really is. Obviously, if I had it side by side with even an M1 MacBook Air, the M1 MacBook Air would seem so much better. But actually, it, this this 12-inch MacBook for um, for what it is seems to be seems to work pretty well. You're happy with it? Oh uh, yeah, I'm pleased with it. I bought it because I wanted something really, really portable. 
Um, so when I travel for work now, I have to take um, a, a laptop to the home office in London because that's the only way I can access their systems. So if I need to do anything else, I need to have another computer with me. And um, I thought if I had the uh, the 12-inch MacBook, that's not much, really much heavier than, than an iPad. And I've always liked the design of those, the fact that they are so small and dinky. Yep. Um, so uh, With good screens, and, too. Exactly, yeah, with a nice retina screen. Obviously, it's got uh, a butterfly keyboard on it, which uh, is a, a bit of an acquired taste, but um, I'm not going to be writing War and Peace on it, so... Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, and it, and it was, it was, I have to say, it was very, very reasonably priced for what it was. So, um, compared, you know, bearing in mind these were like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred pound computers when they were new. It's, it was, um, it was pretty cheap. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty pleased with it. Well, on the last episode, I was talking about, um, I've got all this new equipment that I, I had to put together. Yeah. Uh, I was still on the, uh, iMac when we recorded the last episode that was, uh, mid October. Well, since that time, I have uh, plugged in and migrated everything over to the um, uh, Mac Studio. Mm-hmm. And I did get the 2 terabyte SSD and 32 gigs of RAM, so I upgraded it some. From the factory, obviously, because you can't update these things on your own anymore, because Apple, thank you. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, uh, it, man, this thing is fast. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot. It's... Man, I, I got to be honest with you. On the iMac, I put my hand over it, and I could feel the heat generated. Yeah. On this thing, doing exactly the same stuff, nothing. doesn't yeah. even get warm. Can you can you hear a fan at all? No, not ever. Because cause I seem to remember when the Mac Studio came out, there was quite a few people who said, oh, the fan's a bit noisy compared to the laptops, and we don't understand that. And I, At the time, I remember thinking, well, Okay, are these things all relative? Because I couldn't believe that it had a noisy fan in it. So. Yeah, I haven't heard a peep out of the thing. And what, what processor is that in it? That's a, M1. an M1 Max. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So that's a, that's a higher end than what you get in the laptops. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I'm really happy with it. So obviously I've been using Time Machine for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And um, I made sure that my Time Machine was completely up to date. I plugged it into the Mac Studio and it, honestly, it took about 40 minutes and it was done. I was really yeah. surprised. Now, I went through the iMac and got rid of a whole bunch of crap <laughs> mm-hmm. and then ran, uh, you know, the backup. So I got yeah. rid of a lot of stuff that I wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to use. Um, and then my monitors, I've got the uh, LG 4K display, 32 inch, and then the 27 inch Predator monitor. And man, this this new four thirty two inch LG is just man, what a monitor! This thing is amazing. Yeah. It's huge. I like the stand that it comes with. It goes up and down and tilts really nice. Yeah. Um, and then I put two, I guess you'd call them tabletop stands. Now you're supposed mm-hmm. to put the monitor on top of it, but with the LG, it's such a big monitor to begin with. Yeah. that the stand itself is actually underneath of this little riser. And this riser plugs right. in, and it has power on it as well. Right. And But I did put the other one on top of my old stand. So they're elevated, but they're, like, way pushed down because yeah. they're so big. Otherwise, i got to sit there I, and look I, up. I was, 
I was going to say when you said 32 inch, I mean, it's not so long ago that that was a TV. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you're now you, you sat in front of one as a monitor. I, my, my monitor, I think, is about 24 inches, but I'd love to have a 32. It's I don't nice. really need a 32, but I'd love to have one. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm starting to question whether I'm going to even keep the, the 27 that's sitting next to it. Yeah. Because for a side cart, that's kind of dumb. Uh, the color well, yeah, isn't well, with, as good as the LG. Yeah. So yeah, with with 4K in front of you, it's the, the the pixel density is such. Do you really need a second monitor? I really don't. Yeah, but it looks badass. Yeah. When I first hooked it up, and it was all before you know, it gets a little messy with stuff on the table and all that. Yeah. It looked like freaking NASA. It was yeah. just, it was just amazing. Um, of course, it's just everything plugs in great. I did have to have. Um, and I use my old one. Uh, I have a lot of peripherals that I need to plug in, and the iMac or the uh, Mac Studio just doesn't have enough plugs for everything that I needed to plug in. But yeah, remember I also talked about that I had gone from a wired keyboard and mouse to the MX Master from Logitech, both the yeah 3S mouse and the MX Keys wireless keyboard, mm-hmm. and that's been a revelation for me. The, yeah. the, this. I want to say it's more so the mouse, but I don't think so. I think the keyboard itself, just the typing on this thing, the the precision, it's just, it's another level up. And I'm just so glad that I didn't keep the old keyboard and mouse that I've been using for a long, long time. Yeah. It's just, it, it makes a huge difference because that's what we interact with with the computer. I don't care how great the monitor is, how fast the computer is. Your tactile sensation interacting with the computer is the mouse and keyboard. And if you go cheap on that, it just feels cheap. Yeah, and you can go pretty cheap. Um, I was asked at work at the beginning of the week to uh, build a laptop for somebody they wanted uh, to... They had some somebody coming in for interview for finance, and they wanted them to do some testing on Excel to see how well they, they could do Excel. And so we, we built an old laptop for them and configured it up. And then and then they said, oh, right, okay, um, where's the mouse? I said, well, it's a laptop. We don't have a mouse for it. You know, all our desks in the office have mouse and, mice and keyboards kind of wired in. Well, they're wired in. They're, they're wireless, but they, there's one for yeah. every desk. So, uh, and but we, but we do take the dongles in to stop them from disappearing because people like to borrow, borrow air quotes stuff. Um I said we don't have a mouse. Oh, I need to have a mouse for it. And this is like, this is like lunchtime on Monday, and she she needs the computer for Tuesday. So we we work in I work in the city centre now. So I said okay, fine, I'll go out and buy a mouse. I went, <laughs> I went to the UK equivalent of a dollar store, right? Which is a place called Poundland. Yeah, Poundland. Wow. Poundland, and it <laughs> and it used to be everything in there was a pound, but you know. Anymore. Cost of living and inflation, not everything in there is a pound, but it is pretty cheap. And I got a wireless mouse with a dongle for three pounds. Yeah, that's <laughs> about right. And I figured, well, for somebody doing, you know, half an hour of Excel jockeying to show they can use it, that's probably good enough. But I, I was actually mildly astonished that you could buy, uh, uh, buy a mouse that was wireless and that worked for three pounds and that's the thing it actually does work fine yeah i mean it it was you know it was like you could use it but it's interesting to contrast that with uh you know you i I mean we know you and i probably both know plenty of people who um have bought computers and have then put you know the oldest crappiest keyboard and mouse on and then you think well yeah you're absolutely right you this is your your (laughs) it's kind of like you know getting a brand new car 
and then putting your old out, tires on uh, yeah <laughs> or or having having the you know the old frayed steering wheel from the old one fitted in because it makes you feel comfortable exactly uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it, you don't if you're gonna do it just don't cheap out you know and if you've got an old computer get a new get i can't recommend this mouse and keyboard combo you can't buy them together well you can but no. you know um are they expensive relatively speaking no but for a mouse and keyboard yes yes yeah but man what a difference it makes and yeah. and like i said i also have it hooked up to my pc so i just push a button on the mouse and the button on the keyboard and now i'm controlling the pc exactly and it's yeah. so nice although it looks like they fell out of sync for some reason no. It might have something to do that I had to reset it up on the on the Mac Studio. Probably, just, yeah. You probably have to set it up again on yeah, the other one. Which means I got to um, break out yeah. a keyboard or a, at least a mouse and plug it into the other one so I can set up this wireless again. And get Andy, off the arcade, yeah. hey! Get get down. I'm not get on down. the arcade. Go on. I'm not on the arcade. You will learn, David. <laughs> the other thing I'd, I'd mention, of course, and a lot of people forget about this because it never used to be the case. But of course, if you have a an iPad, um, then that mouse and keyboard will pair with that perfectly fine and control that too. Yep. Uh, and that's quite a nice thing to have if you tend to use your iPad as a, a as a second device around your computer. Um, that's a pretty sweet deal to just be able to switch straight over the keyboard and mouse and then control the iPad without touching it. Let's talk about a couple things here that we've got. Uh, I found a couple of news stories, three of them in, in particular, that I thought was interesting. We're going to go top to bottom. Because mm-hmm. the top one just cracks me up. Um, we all know that Samsung is massively important to South Korea. No, yeah. no question about it. I mean, they are what twenty five percent of their GDP. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, and and that's not just the electronics. That is the Samsung conglomerate, which builds ships and yeah makes washing machines and um, car components gigan- and everything. Gi- they are. They are yeah, they are a. They're like they're like um, General Electric or one of those old big traditional American companies that had fingers in lots of pies. Yeah, but extremely corrupt. Uh, well, you know what? I think that's a Korea problem as much as a Samsung problem. But Samsung is definitely a poster child. <laughs> Man, so <laughs> Samsung Air ascends to the chairman of the company now that he's off parole. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That just that just boggles my mind. I I, yeah. I can't support a company that has convicted felons on as the head of the company for tax evasion. So yeah, his father was um his father died in twenty twenty, but had actually been um virtually incapacitated by health since twenty fourteen. And so this this chap whose name is um Lee Jai Yong. Mm-hmm. Jai Yong is his first name and Lee is his surname. So the Lee family have run Sam's, run and owned Samsung for a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, his father died in 2020 and uh, he's been running the company for a while. But for the last few years, he's been away on been sabbatical in jail. in jail for tax evasion. And he's been and running the company from jail. From jail, yes. That tells you everything you need to know about Um about Korean industry really is the fact the fact that you can run a company from jail and everyone kind of is cool with that. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Now he he received a 
presidential... Well, yeah, here we go. He's able to come out of prison now because he received a pardon from the president. So despite... Wow. You'd have thought a president... Yeah, bearing in mind that tax evasion is all about funding the country, would be not inclined to pardon you for that. But uh, it's Samsung and this guy's important. And um, I'm sure there was no suggestion of impropriety in that presidential pardon at all. It was uh, completely above board and no money changed hands anywhere. But um, he's still apparently uh, got another trial to go for stock price manipulation. So um, there you go, accounting fraud as well, just the usual yeah, uh, I guess that's just uh, a day in business. No, I I say this because obviously there was this terrible tragedy in Korea last week where um, there was this crush and uh, you know four five hundred casualties, including uh, well over one hundred and fifty um, fatalities. And these are young people just out going out for a party. It's it's really extremely tragic that something like this could happen in a developed country like this. This is the sort of thing that you you hear about, you know, in the third world where sometimes um, standards are, are perhaps a little bit lax in terms of, uh, of crowd control and health and safety and that sort of thing. In a developed country, it's really surprising. Uh, and it turns out that um, a lot of people are protesting against the government. And they're, again, they're saying... The reasons this these sorts of things happen in Korea is because of corruption, yep. and that people don't do their jobs properly, and people are uh, there's there's a, 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 a suggestion that there is a, a um, kind of a, a general way that the way people do things is is that you know if they don't want to do something they just kind of ignore the rules <coughs> and just do it and hope for the best and nine times out of ten it's all right and one time out of ten a whole load of people die they had a lot of people die in a ferry disaster in 2014 as well which i remember um, that which which eventually brought down the government because the enforcement of regulation and the ability of the ferry operator who was another big korean company to basically just flout the rules and do what they want um and the regulator looked the other way um, and then the, the the government, when this happened, you know, worried more about the PR and saving face than actually taking accountability. Um, so I, I, that's why I say I believe that South Korea, unfortunately, has a bit of a corruption problem. I think, um, you know, there are too many people who, whether it's for reasons of honour or face or whether it's because money is changing hands, just allow things to happen that shouldn't happen. Um, and it's really unfortunate. And this is, yeah... Um, the, you know, this is the Samsung is, is as I say, is is emblematic of Korean industry and therefore seems to be emblematic of potentially this problem as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have corruption everywhere and, and uh, yep. our countries are certainly not free of it. And, no. uh, and so I'm not I'm not pointing the finger going, you know, we're better than you. Um, but it's terrible wherever it happens because, you know, we 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 want to respect our. Uh, our industries and our governments to do the right thing and look out for us. And uh, sometimes you, the optics are bad, even if um, you know, even if it's if it's not direct corruption. So the other big story that everybody's talking about is Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Um, and this advertising advertisers continue to flee Twitter as civil rights groups call for a boycott. Uh, a little bit of a false flag on that um i've been following this from both the advertising um industry's perspective and and what they're actually saying on twitter as well as you know elon musk's and twitter's response and uh what actual advertisers are doing and 
this is look i i don't like elon musk i think he is um not a good person hmm. I, I really believe that i i don't like elon musk at all uh that being said what has he done at twitter that people think is giving rise to nazism um, oh nothing nothing is yet well uh, actually there are some things well yeah yeah i mean he's he's the problem with this is that because it's musk um we have we have a little bit of the what i would call the trump problem in the media with this the problem with with when when president trump was in power and and it's a similar sort of thing he could tweet something and people would go crazy and they would um react to the tweet and they would talk about the tweet they would comment on the tweet what does this mean all of this sort of thing and the problem is before they even finished thinking about that he would do he would tweet something else and what it did was it it meant that the media response was never very deep and i think this is the problem we're having now with the with the twitter thing and and elon musk is very much the same sort of person in that he he sta- makes statements in interviews or online or in tweets or anything all the time and you never know whether this is really what he thinks or this is just kind of you know him trolling um much in the same way that that trump would do and sometimes quite literally he floats an idea to see what how people react to it and he uses that as a information point for what he does next yeah and i think this is the problem is at the moment we're not getting good analysis on what's going on with twitter because everyone is scrambling to sort of follow the tweet and the actions and the threat of actions and the promise of actions and the maybe the actions maybe not we had you know we and we had this before he bought it where one minute he's buying it and next minute he's not buying it and then he's going to court and then he's not going to court then he's going to settle it and then they're still suing him and it's it's a whole it just feels like a, a microcosm of of what we lived through in the last presidency all over again which is a whirlwind of action and news and that sort of thing and you can't figure out what the reality is underneath it the only things we do know is that he's apparently fired half of twitter's um uh, made redundant half of twitter's staff and we don't know because i've not seen good reporting on it who those staff are and what they do a lot of them um, 75% of the content moderation staff was cut which means that when someone reports a post hey this is you know uh, racist this is condoning violence um, someone's posting the n-word a thousand times on their twitter feed because these people aren't doing their job now because there's not enough of them that's why the advertisers are fleeing well, I think Musk I think, says yeah. yes. He wants to let me finish. Yeah. Musk says he he wants to make sure that it is still a safe place. There is going to still be content moderation. He's not going to let hate speech and stuff like that stay on there. Uh, but his actions are doing exactly the opposite. When you immediately lay off seventy five percent of your content moderators, and I'm seeing these people posting on Twitter themselves, the ones that were let go. Um, and then you're starting to see a rise of these vile type of posts. It's a legitimate fear for advertisers to be showing their products right above a tweet that says the N word 50 times. Yeah. I don't blame the advertisers for, and they're not fleeing. They're simply pausing like, Hey, wait a minute. We, and, and I was watching cause he met with this advertising board. Um, this can, uh, this, uh, not a board, a, uh, what do you call it? 
Anyways, he met with this group and they asked him these questions and he said, no, this is what he's going to be doing. And he did the opposite. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You, you can't complain that the left woke mob, which by the way, woke isn't a bad thing. I like, I know Republicans like to say that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, the definition of woke is okay. I realize what I'm saying or doing is offensive to all these people. And somehow that's a bad thing. I don't, yeah, I don't get it, but whatever. Thanks, Fox News, for fucking up the country um, <laughs> or the world. Um, anyways, they have legitimate concerns, and yeah. I don't blame them for wanting to make sure that hate speech and these calls for violence isn't going to be associated with their brand. I don't blame them at all for that. And and his own actions, Musk's, have shown that. If you're going to lay off 75% of your content moderators, this is what you're going to get. You don't have enough people now yeah. to make sure that this stuff is properly investigated, deleted if necessary, warning the users, banning people who are doing this crap. You're, you're not doing that. Well, or if you are, it's 75% less than what it was. Yeah. I, so so here's, here's what I think the problem is. Um, I, I While I agree in the spirit of most of what you've just said i personally believe that advertisers big corporate advertisers are uh, pausing their inv their investment in advertising on twitter be just because it's so uncertain they don't know whether the thing's going to implode they don't know whether it is going to turn into a, you know a far right or a far left platform that's dominated by those sorts of voices there's all this uncertainty about um about twitter blue and verified those sorts of things verified accounts are important to corporates because obviously they want to make sure that, oh, that if they're talking about their their stuff only their voice is accepted as being that the problem with uh the stuff that musk is floating around is he's he's left a very strong impression that anybody who wants a blue check mark can buy one he didn't imply that it's done it's yeah, a done deal. And, and and so that obviously delegitimizes the verified check markers, making sure that it's a it's right now it means the, nothing. Yeah, now it now it's not you can't guarantee it's the mouthpiece of your platform. And I think Musk has missed that because he's he's just thinking about, you know, well, um uh, who cares if a if a basketball player um or a sportsman or a, a celebrity or anything wants to make sure that only their voice is being spoken. I think he's missed that. Um the problem that Musk faces is that he he clearly uh, he clearly wants to transform the platform to something that is less moderated and more of this town square idea that he's got. And the the difficulty is is that he's never from the amount of users Twitter's got, even if every one of them paid him thirty dollars a month, he's never going to get the revenue to keep Twitter going that way. You no. need the big advertisers, and what he needs to figure out is how he transforms it into a um, a better advertising platform because that's where the money is and he it's clear at the moment he's not really sure how to do that and this is very much his style which is to um you know throw a whole load of ideas at the wall try them out and see which ones stick and which ones are successful he is you know he said he's been on record before that, that he believes in the fail fast model which means try lots of things and iterate as quickly as you can to hone in on the things that work. And, and clearly this is what he's doing, but that is not an environment that gives confidence to your corporate investors, uh, your corporate advertisers, that they want to plan their next two, three years marketing budget in a, you know, in a fairly uncertain world behind your platform. And the question is going to be, is can he figure out his way to what, what ultimately is the solution 
in time to actually keep Twitter going. It's got a colossal amount of debt. Um, he's got to keep it operating. The reason he cut all these people apparently is because it's losing $4 million a day and he wants that to stop. And so the, the easiest way of doing that is shedding a whole load of employees. I suspect what he will do is he will then start re-recruiting people into the areas he thinks that Twitter needs. But in the meantime, it you know, the difficulty he faces is that he's been mercurial about Twitter right from getting into this. And all he's doing now is he's continuing to convey the idea that he's not really sure what he's doing. Um, and you can get away with that on a rocket company where um, where the government is paying the bill and as long as you deliver, then they can ultimately they'll pay the bill. And SpaceX went bu- nearly went bust a few times. Yep. And Tesla is the same. And again, you can get away with that if you can convince your venture capital backers to stick with you while you, while you, t- you take it through. The difficulty is, is that he's got a much shorter runway with Twitter because it's a very, very public thing and people are using it in public all day, every day. You have no or very little space to make a mess and then tidy up. And, um, you know, I don't want to count him out because this is a guy who has a, you know, whether you like him or not, he has a track record of taking, of doing things that people at the start said, you know what, that's a crazy idea. You're going to fail. Uh, and find figuring out a way to make it work. I don't know whether he's going to do it here. And the problem is, in the meantime, Twitter, which is a thing that a lot of people have have really come to rely on, yeah, is going to be is going to be a bit of a rock uh, roller coaster, right? It's um, fun to watch. I, I, I'll, I'll give yeah, it that. Yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't used Twitter for many many years, and I was there at the beginning. I loved Twitter when it first started, but as soon as it became toxic and politicized i just decided and i had a few problems with this myself where i would say something somebody would completely overact and uh, overreact and go off the deep end and uh, you know the same sort of things you see all over the internet and at that point i just decided it wasn't for me um and i haven't just haven't i don't read it i don't look at it um you know i'm quite happy to get tweets of note from other people reporting them to me if they're important uh, a lot of times i think they're not um, I think Twitter has been terrible for general journalism, quite ignoring all the political stuff. I think the fact that when anybody, any journalist now wants to get any sort of reaction to anything, they just go on Twitter and they find somebody who uh, matches the angle of the story they're writing. It's just terrible, lazy journalism rather than actually speaking to real people. And I hate it. So, I agree. Um, you know, I, I, I still use it, Twitter, but yeah. I, I don't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter. I'll jump yeah. on maybe two or three times a day, scroll for about a minute and a half, and then move on. Yeah. Put it this way. I don't think as difficult as these problems are and, and as important as Twitter is to some people, it's, you know, I don't think I don't think the world will be particularly left much worse off if Twitter fails and goes under and leaves Elon Musk with a $44 billion bill. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think... Yeah, like you say, it's interesting. You can sit there with a the popcorn watching the craziness, um, but I, I don't, I don't think that Twitter is um, the loss of Twitter would be an ex- existential threat to the world or the internet for that matter. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, anyways, um, the next one I think is a kind of a positive. One of the biggest issues I think right now for technology users is the whole idea of the smart home. It's been an idea that we've had in you know the, the tech world for 25 years. 
I remember when I started my Mac back in, you know, 94, people were talking about smart home technology. Oh, and Ruben, who, um, <clears throat> Uh, longtime contributor at MyMac. He's been on a couple of podcasts with us over time. Um, is now at Apple. Um, he used to do what was the XJ, X11, whatever the. Yeah. He used to do all the reviews for that because it was, you know, it's super techy. You had to do these programs and set it up yeah. and just to get lights to turn on automatically. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and I was at I was at his house a couple of months ago, and he's he's just mo- he's moved into a new house relatively recently. He's still trying to figure out the best way to get his smart smart home stuff working again. Yeah, it's always been a challenge. Uh, if you do it right, and it takes a lot of time to do it right, then it's pretty awesome. But the average person doesn't have time or the inclination <clears throat> or the technical skills to get it right. So Apple comes out with the, what is the smart home or whatever Apple's thing is. Uh, Amazon has one. Google has one. So now you have all these competing platforms. Which products do you buy that works with which products? Yeah. It's, it talk- made it we- more of a mess. And we've talked in the past about if you back the wrong one and the company goes under, you're, you're you screwed. Find, you find all your kit, does, your very expensive kit just stops working. Right. I don't want to yeah. buy a smart thing that only works with this certain app on a certain platform. And yeah. that's been the problem since it tried to become mainstream. And it still hasn't become mainstream because it doesn't work with everything. So this, it's. I don't think it's a company. I think it's a conglomerate of or a association um, called Matter that yeah, it's, is it's, bringing it's like all an, these... Go ahead. It's like an industry specification, a little bit like yeah. USB, the USB forum or, or something like oh, that. Oh, that's not compared to that. Good guy. <laughs> fail in a heartbeat. But it's that sort of idea. It's like everyone agrees how to do some things. Yep. And I like this idea. Whether it succeeds or not, I don't know. But their end goal is it doesn't as long as it's a matter product it it, it matters uh, or it it, it works with the matter it's a terrible name yeah it's a awful. terrible name yeah um, <clears throat> as long as it has that stamp even if the company goes under the product will still work because it works with all of the the control boards if you will the the Apple stuff the Google stuff the Amazon stuff it'll just continue to work. And setting up and all of that will be super, super simple. I like the idea a lot. And if it works, this could be a game changer for home automation. Whether it does or not, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on it. My gut instinct says this is a great idea. Um, But unless Apple and Google and Amazon pours a lot of money into this thing and Samsung and, you know, all those, it's just if one of those companies bail, it's done. It's over. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, so having done a little bit of this myself, one of the problems with home automation really is, is that you need to have stuff in your home that you know ahead of time how you want it to work. It's kind of like, you know, those focus things they have on, on our iOS now. You know, it went from just do not disturb to now you can have pretty much any type of focus for any type of thing you you want. One of the problems I've always had with that is I, it's hard to sit down and think, OK, so let me visualize this scenario where I want this person to be able to reach me. But I don't want to hear from these other people. And I don't want I don't I want alerts from WhatsApp, but I don't want an alert from email because it's distracting and all of this sort of stuff. The home automation is a little bit like that. You need to say here I have a device 
and I have a regular way I want to use it, and then I want to use the home automation kit to construct that scenario. I have it in my house. I have two sets of uh, lights in the um, in the shelving and the and the kind of the kitchen unit in my kitchen dining room. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to have those come on at night and turn themselves off at midnight so they're not burning all night. Um, and I wanted all of that to be automatic. And I was able to do that by plugging them into a smart plug, two, two smart plugs that were that I then collect, connected to Alexa. So um, using using that, uh, use, oh, I said the word, I apologise for everyone listening whose device has just gone off. But connecting to the, uh, to the Amazon devices means that I can now buy voice uh, turn those lights off if I leave the room at night. Otherwise, they turn themselves off automatically at, at midnight, and they come on when when the sun goes down automatically. Um, now, to get that, I had to visualise what I wanted to do, and then I had to get the kit together to work it. I think one of the advantages that Matter has is that Amazon has become a de facto standard because their devices are so cheap, um, and so uh, quite a lot of these companies, they, they these smart plugs i use for instance they have their own app and their own platform that's supported by the manufacturer but because they work with uh with the amazon devices i don't need to use any of their stuff i can just set it up with amazon and amazon becomes the platform that i use yeah um, and that, that so so matter is kind of an extension of that and amazon's a big player in this where basically um if it works with matter then even if the company ma- that makes it even if their server goes away you'll still be able to send signals from one of the matter compliant uh, platforms to the devices to do whatever you need to do to well they're trying to make it so it's not necessarily an internet enabled thing that yeah. for exactly that reason so if those servers go offline the light bulb will still work you can still control yeah. it with your smartphone or alexis or siri what have you that's yeah. the way we- of doing it exactly so that if the if yeah if you have no internet at all and and some people don't and some people i could imagine i mean if you particularly if you're using things like alarms and locks and doors and stuff like this um you might have a cabin in the woods that doesn't have good internet and you don't want to be relying on servers for that. You just basically want the devices in the home to talk to each other. And we shouldn't need to beam signals thousands of miles across the country just to turn on a light. Should we? Right. <laughs> exactly. You if know, this works, right I think it could be a game changer. I, yeah. I really do believe that. I think this could be what brings the smart home to the mainstream because as much as, smart home listeners out there may be thinking it is not mainstream it is super fringe at this time yeah um and it will become important because you know we're we're going through this energy crisis at the moment and really one of the things we need to be able to do is not have our devices uh and everything like that sat there consuming energy when it's not required right you know exactly you should be you should be able to get to a point where anything in your home can be turned on and off by your uh, device, by your by your phone or your, um, your voice. smart speaker or whatever like that. And yes, be able to do it through the internet if you want. So that basically when they're not being used, they can actually be, or even by the, the network, the system, you know, the energy company. So when they're not being used, they're turned off and they're not consuming power um, because actually it turns out that we want to meet these carbon target targets. We've got to stop using so much electricity. It you know, it's is one of, one of the important parts of it. It is, but unfortunately, I still think that smart home is still looking for a problem to solve that they don't know what the problem is yet. Yeah. 
but i think i think that is part that is part of the uh part of the problem you know we we need to be able to uh, the issue with the electricity grid is that during the day we're all using electricity and during the night everyone goes to sleep and uh, the demand really goes down there's an awful lot of things we do with the electricity during the day that if we did it and only at night then the demand for the electricity would be much better managed and therefore the the kind of the carbon humps would be smoothed out uh, and uh, you know if you're running your your dishwasher your washing machine your tumble dryer the sort of things that um that use a lot of power it would be much better to be able to do those things at night and just have them automatically come on at night and not, not a lot of people do that at the moment because you, you have to load them you have to turn them on you have to turn them off and deal with stuff afterwards and part of the problem is not being able to manage those devices when you're not around and um this sort of technology would let you do that um and um and basically that would be better for everybody uh, i look at the smart home market and how it would fit into you know how i am how i live and how my kids and my wife and what would really what would i want to automate what would i want to be able to control with my voice mm. and there's only a few things I can think of, honestly, yeah. that make any sense at all. But then it's only a convenience thing that it's saving me. It's not, you know, it's not the energy thing. Well, it, it's, that, yeah, that, that's that's a knock-on effect. I mean, what also I think has to happen is that the electricity meters and the gas meters need to be enabled for this as well. So that you can create products that actually are aware of what the energy demands around are, around you are. Um, and can help save you money because if you've got that te- that technology then all of a sudden the electricity company can say well you know what if you use devices at night we're not going to charge you as much yeah that um, would be good and yeah and then you can go fine so uh my computer i need it to do that render um i want to set it so it does it at night and it chews through the power at night and um, it's not necessarily a great example because no because that's uh, as, another it's a very niche thing to yeah and also as well uh the other efficiencies in computing means that well, um, my computer backs you know, up at night, not, but yeah, smart home but, doesn't fix that. No. Well, it ultimately it should do. Everything should be well aware of how much energy it uses. And it, you know, you should be able to set things to happen when the energy, when the energy consumption suits you. Uh, to me, I think that is an, that is an obvious advantage more than just being able to turn a few lights on and off. You know, also this idea of, of turning things on as you're on your way home is, is I think, is something of interest. You know, that is kind of cool. That Toyota, yeah. for instance, obviously, I'll relate it back to my job. They yeah. put Alexa in um, a lot of their vehicles now. And in fact, now I think all of them. I don't know any customers who use it, but the idea was, um, and it, you know, we'd go to these training sessions and they would show these videos. The idea is I'm a half a block from my house. Hey, Alexa, open my garage door. Well, all that saving is, you know, another 300 feet of driving and pushing a button. I mean, is it cool? Sure. Is it needed? No. Hey, Alexa, turn on the coffee machine an hour before I get home. That way it's going to be nice and hot coffee when I get home. Again, it just, it's saving me five minutes of pushing a button when I get home and have coffee five minutes later. So there's a lot of things that I think the smart home market needs to figure out. You know, and educate yeah. people on why these things would. Energy consumption yeah. is a big one. 
Unfortunately for uh, your opinion on this, David, I don't think it's going to be a seller. I don't think most people care unless you can arguably demonstrate that this is going to save you money, a lot of money. And that's that's, the problem. Yeah, that's part. But that's part of the thing. I mean, once you've got your thermostat um, on on this, then, for instance, if your house is stood empty all day in the winter, you shouldn't shouldn't be heating an empty house. Correct. Right? You want you want well, it to be. You do here in Michigan because if you don't, when you get back, everything is yeah, but, the pipes yeah, but, burst and. But but what I'm saying is 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 you should have something where when the house knows you're not there, it dials the thermostat down ten fifteen degrees, right? And so it keeps the house you know hot enough to stop f- stuff freezing, but it not not necessarily comfortable for somebody to be there. And then when it knows you're going to be home, then it turns the thermostat up fires up the heating so the house is warmer when you get home that is what that's the sort of thing because at the moment most people don't do that they set a temperature on the thermostat and there it stays and that that you know that temperature will will be what suits that person at that particular time it's and it it's just it is just you're literally wasting energy you're burning money um and and thermostats has been was one of the first things that people felt um, home automation was really going to make a difference in but what trashed that market is is exactly that problem we were talking about all the thermostat companies were um they were verticals they had their own platform and they got bought by somebody big like google who promptly went along and trashed them yep. and all of a sudden your expensive installation was junk uh and again even today um and i think a lot of people are hesitant to yeah. invest in this market in these products if the product isn't going to be supported, we've all read, if, yep. you, if you're if you at all mildly interested in tech, we've all read the stories about the doorbell company or, yeah. you know, the, the smart thermostat company went under. And then Google bought them because they were going to go under and then, or Google bought them and then they go under because Google just didn't want to support it anymore. Google, I think, yep. is probably the worst culprit when it comes to why home automation and smart products have gone nowhere in the last 10 years. Google is awful when it comes to this. They completely yeah, screw over customers all the time. Yeah, I have to say, I, I really think Amazon has had the right uh, approach to this. I they agree. Bought, they've bought a couple of these companies and they've integrated them into their services. But they haven't broken them, you know. Um, and uh, you can buy a Ring doorbell today and you know the Ring service will continue to work. It's got Amazon behind it, and they're not going to turn around and say, oh, yeah, we're shutting this down now. No, doesn't make any they've money. been very good about it, and yeah. you got to give them credit for that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I don't know if, again, Matter is the company that can really bring these different companies to the table and really get behind it, but you know, the, the video presentation that they have was pretty lame. Um, yeah. And, and it... And you end up focusing on stuff you're not supposed to. Like there's this one where she walks through this thing. She walks through the store and then someone's house and it's all one continuous shot. And you're like, really? How cheesy could that be? In fact, one of them, the lady is shopping. She's like, when you're shopping for... And she's looking at a blank box. The shopper, it's a blank box. There's nothing on it. And she's just staring at it. It's like, why, why would... Okay, I get that you don't want to push one product over another, but then don't show that shot. That's terrible. It looks stupid. And that's what's getting attention, not the message, dumbass. Uh, Anyways, um, I don't know if this is the company to do it. I do like that somebody is trying to do something about it. They've got to interoperate. There's no, you know, because you, you all at the moment, we all have 
Google, Apple, Amazon, other devices, and they don't talk to each other. And Correct. it's stupid. They all do the same thing a different way, and it's wasteful, and it's boring, and it's horrible. And what they need to do is get together. And, and Matter is an attempt to do that, as we'll, as we'll say. The, the key thing is that everyone in, uh, implements the standard properly, uh, and it does interoperate the way it's meant to design. I mean, the one thing that kind of worries me about this is certain companies with fruit-shaped logos sometimes have a history of supporting a standard – but then, you know, well, yeah, but if, if, you, if you, everything's all Apple, it works better, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, um, and that is no good either because no. all that does is it, is it, is it means there's, there's another standard. There's the Apple standard and then the regular standard and you get a worse experience of the regular standard. That's no good either. So um, there's a lot that needs to go right here, but at, at least it's a start and we'll see, we'll see what happens with this. It'll be interesting if in two years' time we'll be – discussing the latest matter compatible product as something exciting and new i'm looking forward to it it's it's something i would like to see done correctly i'm interested in smart products but even i I, i'm not going to spend so long researching it to see if this is the one to invest in or not the smartest thing i've got is a button that turns on my arcades yeah, I think I think that it definitely has like a an inertia to get over to encourage people to do it. Nobody wants to do anything complicated. People no. are lazy. Yes. Yeah. They want things to just work. And so if matter becomes a standard that allows people to you know, build products that just work really, really easily, that's fine. If you have to do a whole load of dicking around in in an app and uh, configuring this and timers and all this sort of stuff, then it's not going to work. And people aren't, you know, it's always going to be a niche product. Um, so they do, they need to, they need to put some thought behind how to do it as well as the, um, the, the why we should do it to make sure that it takes off. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, <sighs> every time I've done research on like a smart light bulb that I could change the color, there's a really that there's the Philips Hughes ones which are kind of expensive, and then there's these cheap ones, and the cheap ones have really great reviews. Are they real reviews? Are they good reviews? Do they? Uh, does it, will it yeah. work with my phone? I mean, my kid, my kids have those in their rooms, and they work pretty well, and they work. The with, cheap ones or, or the yeah Phillips? the cheap the cheap ones. It, yeah. These are at the, and here's your here's your other problem. These are these are out of cheap Chinese manufacturers, and it's fairly easy for them to get. Um, get them to work with the Amazon devices, um, less so with the Google devices because they have to pay licensing and that sort of thing. I think Amazon's pretty clean. So most of the ones we've got, if they have Wi-Fi in, and there's a, let's face it, there's an even cheaper set which just basically come with a remote and nothing else. But if right. they have Wi-Fi in, they tend to be able to work with Amazon. Yep. But the problem is, if you want the Matter standard to take off, then that really, really cheap stuff needs to support Matter as well. Exactly. Otherwise, because cost is king. So somebody will, will go, you know, well, I want I want a wall plug that turns on my lights. Well, I can pay uh, $25 for one of those with, that's Matter capable and work with Apple and work with uh, Amazon or anything. Or I can get a, uh, a $10 one that um, just works with their platform. Uh, and a smartphone app but some people will go well that's good enough for me and then if the thing breaks because the platform stops working they go all right well i've got to buy a new one yes people can be very short-sighted um and so you you and there's a lot of work to do kind of sell the concepts i think and really think of these use cases and have these different devices talking to each other to price is a big point i'm not spending 18 dollars for one light bulb yeah 
It's like, why, why would I do that? What's it saving me to tell Alexa, Siri, to turn on a light bulb in the other room when I can just walk in there and hit the switch? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Anyways, I know that you and I are both rooting for this matter conglomerate or whatever the hell they are, yeah. association. Um, By the I, way, I hope it works. Yeah. Let me just say the secret that most people miss with what you've just said is not to have the light bulb smart, it's to have the switch smart. If you have the switch smart, it doesn't matter what light bulb you've got plugged in. It'll well, it depends. You can turn, you can do all the energy stuff and turn it on and off remotely if the switch is smart. That's where you need to start investing, not in the bulbs. But you do in the bulbs too, because hey Siri, turn on. Uh, no, no. If the switch, if the switch is smart, no, no, no. then you then you turn it on and the bulb comes on. That's the way well, bulbs work. That's true. But I, what if I want to dim it by fifty percent? That's what I'm with saying. The, with the switch, the no, switch because light, the not every light bulb will do the dimming. LEDs don't do dimming unless it's built in. Well, that's something that needs to change. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's wrap up this episode of uh, Tech Fan. We'd love to get feedback from you guys. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can go to techfanpodcast or mymac.com and leave a message. And of course, we are on Elon Musk's Twitter at mymac. And uh, <laughs> we're long. on the Facebook. We're there too. We look forward to hearing from you. We haven't got feedback in a while, so hey, send us some feedback. We love it. By the way, Elon, if you're listening, we like Stephen King. There's no way we're paying $20 a month for a blue check mark. No, not happening. What about eight? Yeah. But what if it was five bucks a year? No. No. You're not getting a dime. You have enough. (laughs) See you next week, David, on Geek's Pub. Bye.